Welcome, everyone. I'm Avis Favreau, and I'm excited to be hosting this new season of Invested in Our New Reality, where we'll introduce you to some fascinating innovations taking place in Ottawa's vibrant health technology and life sciences sector. As a journalist, I've spent the last four decades covering health issues from the rise of AIDS right through to the COVID-19 pandemic. But my career in TV actually began with a business show that profiled up-and-coming Canadian entrepreneurs. So it feels like I've come full circle with this podcast. And over the next few weeks, I'll get to speak with Ottawa's health tech leaders who want to change and improve how and where healthcare is delivered to patients worldwide. If you've ever had a bone density scan or a PET scan for heart disease, you know the power and the potential of nuclear medicine. It's an important tool for diagnosing diseases by helping doctors see how organs are functioning inside your body and for treatment to target diseases like prostate and thyroid cancer. And an Ottawa-based company, BWXT Medical, is part of a worldwide effort to keep nuclear medicine up and running to meet the medical need. The company produces medical isotopes, medical devices, and nuclear pharmaceuticals that provide hope and health for patients. And one innovation in particular is helping make Canada self-sufficient again after supplies of a critical nuclear tool called molybdenum or molly were suddenly cut off, leaving doctors and patients in the lurch. To tell us more about the company's work, I'm joined by Rachel Pickering, Vice President of Commercial Medical Operations for BWXT Medical. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This podcast is about nuclear medicine. Most people think about nuclear power, but nuclear medicine is actually quite a big practice of medicine in Canada that people may not realize. How often is it used in treating different diseases and diagnosing conditions? Well, actually, people may not realize, but worldwide, it's used in over 40 million procedures around the world. So that's a massive number. Uh, If we think about in Canada specifically, about 1.5 million um, diagnostic procedures are used every year that use nuclear medicine products. That's huge. It's a really big number, which, you know, to your point, nuclear medicine isn't something that rolls off the tongue of everybody when they think about medicine, uh, but it is very common. Um, There's both diagnostic and therapeutic products that form part of what would be called nuclear medicine. Most people would probably be familiar with the diagnostic products. Those are products that um, are used to help a physician see what problem may be going on in the body. So that product would go to a specific area and the physician would be able to view on a camera or a scanner what is going on within that part of the body. So that's used to help doctors diagnose what's happening. A therapeutic product is one that would actually be providing some kind of therapy. Um, And so it would typically be radio labeled or uh, the isotope would be different for a product like that than it would be for a diagnostic product. So let's uh, break that down. I can only imagine that there are people as we're recording this podcast that are in PET scanners and uh, labs across the country that are having these nuclear isotopes injected. What is it that happens on the diagnostic side when you put these isotopes in? 
So those products would be attached to another compound, another molecule potentially, and that would target a specific area. So for example, if uh, the individual was going into the hospital because they suspected something was going on with their thyroid, for example, um, then the physician would be using a special solution that would contain a product that's going to go to that thyroid area. And the diagnostic piece of that is where the radioisotope would be emitting energy that then the camera can pick up and be able to view what's going on in that particular area. So that when they take a picture, like a PET scan or some other imaging, mm-hmm. it actually helps it light up. That's right. Yes. What exactly, for people who don't know, including me, what exactly is an isotope? So an isotope is basically an unstable version of an element. Radioactive decay is that element's efforts to get back to how it would be stable. So, for example, um, people have heard of perhaps tritium. Tritium is hydrogen. So hydrogen is a natural thing. Uh, but once it becomes radioactive, you can have uh, deuterium, you can have tritium. So there are many different isotopes for different elements. And the radiation aspect comes from that isotope trying to get back to its stable form. And that allows it to be seen. That's correct. So the way it is trying to become stable, it's emitting energy, and that energy is what we detect. Okay. So it is used to detect, you mentioned thyroid issues, thyroid cancer. What other conditions is it used for? Well, I think people are very used to cardiac imaging. Uh, That's a very popular one. Uh, Molybdenum 99 is an isotope that is used as part of a generator to generate what's called technetium 99. So while the molly is trying to get stable, it is creating this other isotope, and that's technetium-99. Technetium-99 is very, very short-lived. When it goes in the body, it will go to somewhere in the heart region and allow the doctor to image that part of the body, and that uh, technetium will then quickly decay, and it's no longer present in the body once it's decayed. There's a whole bunch of conditions. So thyroid, blood component identification, endocrinology, neurology, cancer, and then it's also used for treatment. That's correct. It's also used for therapy. So an example of a product that we make uh, here in Canada is actually called Therosphere. So that product uh, has yttrium, which is a radioactive form of yttrium embedded as part of the uh, product, and it gets infused into the vasculature that feeds the liver tumor. So this particular product is an implantable device that treats liver cancer by getting stuck in the vasculature that feeds that tumor, and it irradiates and and helps kill that damaged area. So that's a therapy, an example of a therapy. So I'd like to go back to 2016, because that's an important year in the story that we're talking about today. And that's when Canada's research reactor at Chalk River stopped working. They shut it down, and along with it, they stopped making a key medical isotope, molybdenum or MOLLE-99. And I recall it sending a shockwave through the medical system because they needed this tool. And that is where the story with your company comes in. Can you tell us, Rachel, what happened? Well, unfortunately, Canada's domestic supply of MOLLE-99 
uh, became extremely limited. So we have been relying, after 2016, we have been relying on imports from other countries to fill the market need for, for example, Molly 99. So in Canada's National Research Reactor um, Universal, that's the NRU, uh, went out of the medical isotope business. It dramatically impacted nuclear medicine uh, around the world, but definitely in Canada as well, because that was a very, uh, it was a workhorse reactor that, that fed the market for many, many years. Canada lost the ability to produce its own isotope. And uh, your company figured out a way to produce it yourselves in an entirely new way. What is it that you came up with that nobody else has been able to? So first of all, uh, we came up with a new way, a uh, new starting material. So um, in the past, uranium has been used to create molly. Um, and that, of course, creates byproducts and such. We are using natural molly targets in order to create uh, the molly 99. So that was one important development um, in our technology. The other that was very critical was we found a way to use very reliable power reactors in order to irradiate these natural molybdenum targets. So these power reactors are um, reliable, continuous supply of clean energy, but we have designed a target delivery system that allows us to access that energy by lowering the target into and withdrawing it out of the reactor without having it turned off. So it's uninterrupted supply as a result of that target delivery system. So this is a totally new thing. No one has ever done yes, this before. That, that's correct. This is first, uh, first in the world. Did people ever say can't be done? I'm sure they did. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of uh, very smart designers engineers coming up with uh, how we could do this successfully. And uh, they came up with uh, an incredible system that allows us to, to do exactly that. Okay. And where is it being produced in Canada? We have a couple of different areas that are involved in the manufacturing of the Molly 99. So Ontario Power Generation is the power reactor that will be irradiating the natural molybdenum targets. So when I say target, maybe I'll explain what that means, because I'll be using that word a little bit going forward. So a target is really just something that will go into a reactor, get exposed to that reactor energy. And then when it comes out, it is now radioactive. So that's referred to as a target. So Ontario Power Generation has partnered with BWXT Medical to provide us access to their power reactor in order to generate this radioactive MOLLE 99, molybdenum 99. So what's really interesting about this is, of course, we don't want to interrupt the uh, primary role of OPG, which is to provide power to Ontarians. Uh, so we've designed a target delivery system, which is essentially an apparatus that sits on top of the reactor and allows us to place targets into and withdraw from the reactor while it continues to operate. So there's no downtime in nuclear production because obviously energy is so important, especially nuclear energy, which is deemed clean. Absolutely. So, you know, OPG is now um, going to be a, a critical irradiation service provider to support nuclear medicine in Canada. So uh, they will be irradiating the MOLLE for us. It will then shift 
to Canada, which is in Ottawa, basically a couple hours away from that reactor. I think we're all a little sensitive to supply chain issues as a result of COVID in the last few years. So knowing that we have ready access to a local, reliable irradiation service provider is a tremendous relief and um, you know, a great thing for us to support our manufacturing capabilities. So the Molly once irradiated will come to our plant here in Canada and we will turn that Molly into a generator uh, and ship that to hospitals. So when do you hope to start? Well, we're waiting for approval at this point. So uh, as soon as we get that approval, we'll be anxiously looking to start our manufacturing processes. And how long from manufacturing to arrival in Canada for you to do your work to send it to the hospitals and clinics that need it? By virtue of radioactive decay, every hour is critical. And in some cases, minutes are critical. Uh, So it takes in the order of a number of hours for the transport of it uh, to get from OPG to the site. And then the manufacturing process itself, of course, takes a couple of days if you look at it that way. And then is there a time limit or a time span to the product as you ship it out? So uh, radioactive products cannot be stockpiled. They have very short, typically very short shelf lives. So the time from generating that radioactive target to uh, providing that finished product to a hospital is usually quite short. And then it has a short shelf life once it's at the hospital. Usually it's in the order of weeks. It it does depend on the isotope itself, of course. Not everything is, is decaying at the same rate. But you're looking at a couple of weeks at the most overall. It's shipped. The containers look like big canisters. Yes, they do. So that gets shipped carefully and they're kept inside. Continuing with the Molly 99 example, So the Molly 99 gets loaded onto a column. That column is placed into a shielded container because, of course, it is radioactive. So a level of shielding is important to protect the physicians and the people who will be eluding material off this generator. Um, So it gets shielded, and that shielding gets placed into a canister that is labeled with what is inside and gives all of that information that the clinician needs when preparing doses. It's so interesting. I think most people have no idea of the complexity behind all of this. Absolutely. Uh, The complexity to me is just magnified by virtue of how little time we have to get this product to patients. Normally, typical manufacturing of a pharmaceutical product, you'd have a lot more time um, and we don't, which is, again, why our partnership with OPG is just so exciting and will help support us in our mission uh, to get these important products to hospitals on time. So how much of the Canadian market, North American market, can you um, fill with what you're going to be producing? Well, we're expecting to be able to fill current as well as uh, future demands for North America by this partnership with the irradiation service provider at OPG. So I guess the story for Canadians listening in is that this is a Canadian-developed technology that shows that nuclear reactors are more than just power generators. They have a role in medicine. Absolutely. Because people are a bit iffy when you talk about nuclear. There's this discomfort with concerns about the environment. For sure. 
I can understand, you know, people have a level of discomfort with things they're not familiar with, you know, but at the same time, we're, we are around radiation all the time. Uh, you know, we all get x-rays, flying in a plane, you're exposed to cosmic radiation, right? So radiation is a very normal thing. It's, it's part of life and it's, it's part of, uh, medicine. So, uh, I think that, um, feeling uncomfortable with the word nuclear is, uh, is normal. I can understand that. But we actually are exposed to these things all the time uh, in our day-to-day lives. So uh, I think when you kind of explain that to people and and uh, make them aware of what's around them, they start to realize that it is it is a natural thing. It is, because there's a disconnect often between what people hear and what they actually understand when they're exposed to it at a different level. Would you agree? I'd absolutely agree. And uh, I think, you know, here when we're welcoming new employees to the company, for example, they're often, uh, you know, it's kind of a niche market. So they won't have had a lot of previous experience working with radioactive materials. Um, so, you know, when we're training them and, and bringing them through our training programs, they start realizing just how, you know, how common it is and how to safely work with these products that are ultimately used to treat patients. So as long as you're following the right safety protocols, um, you know, it's uh, appropriate. Now, I noticed that in the material that I got, they talk about it as developing drugs. So should people see these nuclear isotopes and the way that they're used in therapies as a form of a drug? I think when we think of it as a as diagnosis, perhaps people aren't thinking of it as a drug because it's not performing a therapeutic activity. So, you know, perhaps that's where sometimes it's not as clear. But there is an emerging field called theranostics. So that's having both a therapy and a diagnostic both in the same product. Uh, and that's something that we're definitely looking at uh, closely. And um, it's a very interesting area that will be developing throughout the future. Can you give me an example? For example, we talked earlier about the fact that there are diagnostic products and therapeutic products. So with a theranostic product, it's doing both roles with different isotopes, but a, a the same molecule. So for example, um, a special molecule would be designed that will target a specific area in the body. So we'll attach a diagnostic isotope to that molecule. It will go to a certain part of the body. We'll be able to image that and view it on a camera. And then we'll use that same molecule, but attach a therapeutic isotope to that molecule, which will then provide the therapy. So it's the same same molecule, but you're attaching different isotopes to it to perform different functions. What conditions would this be for that you're looking at? There are many different conditions for that. Uh, Prostate cancer comes to mind uh, as one of them. So what would be your message to patients about this whole area of nuclear medicine and your company's role in coming up with the new product, the new Molly? I would say that, you know, nuclear medicine allows a big variety of medical procedures to be readily available to patients. And I think as Canadians, knowing that there's uh, a domestic supply of these critical materials is fantastic. And as a Canadian, makes me feel better to know that I'm not relying only on international supply for these procedures that we all need, uh, especially as we get older. <laughs> so I would say that uh, you know patients can feel confident 
and positive about the fact that we're solving that problem. Do Canadian innovations like this get celebrated or because it's so technical, they kind of get buried in the the inner workings of the field? Well, I think we try to celebrate them, but maybe as Canadians, we're, you know, <laughs> kind of too quiet about it. But uh, I've certainly seen a lot of press releases and, and we have been celebrating uh, our partnership as well as our accomplishments uh, as part of BWXT Medical in this field. And are scientists and uh, medical groups in other countries taking note of what you've been able to create? So, you know, we do work closely with people from all over the world. Uh, there's only so many reactors out there. So we all tend to know each other. And, you know, I, I'd say we're we're all very excited about what's happening in the field and uh, and the fact that we are addressing the supply issue around Mali 99. I think I think a lot of countries are very excited about that. What globally could it make a big difference? Yes, absolutely. When NRU, so the Canadian Nuclear Research Reactor, uh, went down, it affected the whole world, not just Canada. So I think the world's been looking for a solution uh, to this. Fascinating conversation. I mean, there's so much to learn. You could do a masterclass on isotopes and how they work. But anyways, we look forward to hearing when uh, you get approval and then the machinery starts in producing these tools that the medical world needs. Excellent. Thank you very much. It's a Canadian innovation that may not get front page headlines, but the story of BWXT and its new way of creating these important medical isotopes is critical for doctors and patients around the world and should be celebrated. Our thanks to Rachel for teaching us about the world of nuclear medicine. And thank you to our listeners for being with us today. And join us again soon. We have more interesting conversations on upcoming episodes. For now, though, I'm Avis Favreau with more Canadian health innovation next time on Invested in Our New Reality. 